welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Matthew 7, let me just go here for a second. Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27 says, these words, Jesus speaking, I speak to you, are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, and a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. You don't want to be that stupid carpenter. That's why it's so important that when you leave here, if you have a relationship with Jesus, when you leave here, to ask yourself the question, how are you applying the words of life, the words that we are speaking from, into your life? Because if they don't go into your life, what happens is they don't, they don't go into your foundation. It's not enough just to hear the word and leave and act like nothing changed or act like you don't need to do anything with what you have. That's why connect groups is so, are so important. We're launching our signups today for connect groups. That's where we find community. That's where we find relationship. We, we're not called to do life alone. How many believe that to be true? And what we do is we digest the word. We take the word and we learn how to apply it into our life. If you don't apply it into your life week in and week out, I'm telling you, you will walk around deceived thinking and believing it's enough just to have knowledge but not transformation. The application is what changes you. Not the knowledge, it's the knowledge applied that builds a foundation to change you and root you so that like with the writer, what Jesus is saying here, when tornadoes hit your life, when you have problems and situations and chaos come against your life, you're strong. Nothing's going to move you. I talked about last week about how God wants to take the wimp out of you in 2020. The wimp out of you. Well, I believe what makes us wimpy is giving in and giving up when the tornado hits. So we go through a hard time, it's too hard, and we have a generation right now that doesn't know how to fight. We fight for other things in our life, like we fight for success and we fight for our job, but in our relationship with God and in faith, we don't know how to fight. Paul, if you read Paul's letters, especially to Timothy, his spiritual son, his encouragement, one of the overarching themes was fight the faith. Fight the fight of faith, Timothy. Like don't give up, don't give in. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of boldness. Fear is not from him. There's fear of him, which reveres him and, 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 and motivates to walk like him. And there's the fear of man that makes us hide and lose out on what God wants to do in and through our life. 
Paul encourages Tim, fight, fight, man. Don't give up. Get a fight in you. Find your fight. Don't just fight for your schooling. Don't just fight for your relationships. Fight for your relationship with him. So connect groups are so important. We are launching a connect group leaders training. Whether you are already committed and we've talked to you about leading a connect group this semester, the signups begin this Sunday after the experience, or you're a leader, uh, a future leader that's interested. You might not lead this semester, but you're interested in a future semester. The invitation is for you too. It's at 12 o'clock in the party rooms. After the experience, 12 o'clock, we'll feed you, stay, and we'll go through uh, what it looks like to lead a connect group. And if you're new and you haven't led before, come stick around, and I know it will be, be beneficial for you because you could actually in that, in that moment even decide if at one point in the future you'd like to lead a connect group. So the invitation has gone out. I have some exciting news. Do you like exciting news? We're going to, um, in just a few moments, I'm going to show something to you, celebrate what came in for our House of Hearts offering. No, let me just bring context to this. Every year, for those of you that maybe aren't with us, part of the family, or, you know, haven't been around for quite some time, every year at the end of the year, um, and usually in the second week of December, we take up what we call our House of Hearts offering. And um, every year, we, we, what we do is we ask people to take a step of faith, for some people, it's to begin to trust God with their finances for the first time and begin to trust God, and it may be small, whatever the case may be. For some people, it's to trust God with their first 10, as we teach from by the Bible about the, the tithe, the 10%. And for some people, it's above and beyond. It's a sacrificial offering above and beyond to strengthen this house, to, to uh, allow us to sustain during hard months, hard seasons. There's always hard and lean months. It allows us to invest in new things, things that will help propel the vision forward. It allows us to expand. Last year, uh, last year's House of Hearts offering, or sorry, in 2018, allowed us to expand into this venue and make it home, as you saw, as we reported to you uh, about a month and a half ago. Um, this year's House of Hearts, we're super excited because it allows us, once again, to do all those things. But especially, I'm always excited to how we can expand in 2020. So I want to thank you off the top for your extreme generosity. It always blows my mind, especially the last few years where we've been the smallest church that we've ever been in the last several years in context of this offering, but yet these have been the biggest house of hearts offerings we've ever had in previous seasons. Like back when we were over 600 people, it was like these, uh, so I'm, I, it, the offerings were less. And what I'm saying is it just shows how big the heart is. Maybe small in number in this season, but big in heart, and that's amazing. That's why we do what we call the House of Hearts. And every year we, we get people to step out in faith and attach their faith to something they're believing for with their gift. And I'm telling you, I've already heard some amazing, you guys, mind-blowing testimonies about little things and big things that God has done through their sacrifice and through their step. And so I want to thank you for everybody in this room who sacrificed, who stepped out, and uh, who trusted God in this season uh, in this house. It's an amazing, amazing community that we're a part of, and I'm so, I'm so thankful. So I think we have like a video, a little small little clip to cue up. Are you ready? So last year, before you put up last year, Last year, we broke all records last year, and uh, we hit 
and that was a, 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 a record-breaking year. In November, now let me just tell you this before I, uh, sorry, I gotta, I gotta set it up, you guys. I gotta set it up, sorry. In November, in November, sorry. In November, I'm excited about this. In November, the first week of November, because the offering is in December, in November, I had a dream. And in the dream, I felt God showed me what was gonna come in the offering. And I'm like, there's no way. That's what I said to myself. I was in the dream saying, there's no way. I, in the dream, I was saying to God, there's no way this is gonna come in. And in the dream, I saw an exact number, and then I saw the, the, this, this plus a little bit more. And I'm like, man, it's crazy. So I'm like, we'll see. We'll see. So the first week of January, when we got the report, I was talking to, to Jean, who leads our finance department, and I was, we were getting the report, and I was saying, so what's the update? And he said this number. And this number was $7,000 lower than the number that I had in my dream. But it was so close that I'm like, something's wrong. Something's off. And uh, he said it's $7,000 lower. And so literally, I'm about to say out of my mouth, I'm about to say, are you sure there's not $7,000 missing? That's what I said. And literally, he cut me off and said, but actually, there's actually a $7,000 check that hasn't cleared yet that's going to come in. And when it does, it's, and it was the exact number. And I'm like, bro, I'm like freaking out. I saw that number in my dream. <laughs> God is so good. God is so good. So, let's put that video up quick or whatever, the clip up. Crank it. Woo! 124. Isn't that awesome? We just celebrate this, how we celebrate your generosity. You know, stuff like this allows us to pour into the city. It allows us, like you were a part of recently, the House of Heart, or the Holiday Dream, the big Christmas outreach that we do every year, providing thousands and thousands of, of gifts and supplies and support financially for people in our community that would not have uh, a strong feeling of Christmas otherwise. And so, thank you. This allows us to continue to advance and one of the exciting things that we're doing in 2020 is, is uh, we're going to be investing more in what is considered our We Heart Ottawa extension to do more in the city as, a, uh, as far as events and community involvement, investment into helping some of the working poor in our city like we've already been doing but expanding it. And so this is going to be connected to that. So we're so thankful for your sacrifice. Isn't that amazing, guys? Clap. I mean, come on. Like, like, for a church our size, this is, like, not normal. I, I don't know if you know that, but this is, like, not normal. But the generosity, the heart is massive. Massive. Amen. Well, I don't know how I topped that. You guys can all go home now. Um, Psalms 138, verse 8 says, The Lord will accomplish that which concerns me. Say it. The Lord will accomplish that which concerns me. That's kind of the basis for... The series we're in called Full Circle. The Lord will accomplish that which concerns me. The Hebrew writing literally reads, the Lord will bring to completion everything to do with me. In other words, bring full circle. That what he started in you, he will complete. If you're going through a hard time right now, a challenging time, things aren't working out the way that you thought they would work out or are not working out the way that you'd like them to work out, 
You can rely on this. As you mature in your relationship with God, this is a truth that you can begin to rely on. Faith is only activated when there's resistance, when there's opposition, when there's contradiction, when things are not going your way. That's where faith is turned on. You only turn a light on, usually, so you can see in the dark. Faith is the light in the dark. You turn faith on when faith is needed because you can't see. Faith gives you a new ability to see what you can't see. Psalms 138, the Lord will accomplish that which concerns me. If you break down the word accomplish, uh, or com the, the, in some translations it would say that he'll complete, he'll bring to completion. If you break that word down in the little Hebrew and you look at the Hebrew letters, the Hebrew letters through which the Old Testament was actually written, okay, the Hebrew letters, every letter in the Hebrew alphabet is also a picture drawn. And you can, you can, you can actually see a picture painted as you break down each letter. There's multiple layers or multiple meanings to each letter. They each represent something. And when you break this word down to bring to completion, to bring to full circle that which concerns me, it actually could be looked at like in the, from a Hebraic mindset or a Hebraic perspective that when you're in the midst of process, his loving kindness surrounds you, and in that process, he's birthing something new in you. That's what it means. Did you hear that? That God's promise is that in your process, his kindness is surrounding you, whether you see it or not, and it's in that process that something new is being birthed from you and in you. Things are coming full circle. The first week that we launched into this was the first Sunday of January. And we talked about having a 2020 realization. And that 2020 vision is about, isn't, about, isn't about seeing the future, it's about seeing the past. If you could see clearly 2020 for the future, it would take you out, it would destroy you. And you'd say no to half of what you're going to go through. But hindsight is 2020 because when you look back after you've been through it, all of a sudden you can see clear that all the rain is gone, all the fog is gone. Now it all makes sense why you had to go through what you went through. So in a sense, the past, the past declares, what we've been through in the past declares the future platform that we're called to occupy. It's incredible. When you think about the past, the things you've gone through, it's like, it's an assurance, it's a confirmation of how big your platform is going to be. What you're going to do in life, how you're going to influence people in life. How powerful your testimony and story is going to be to bring transformation to people's lives. The week after that, week two of our First Circle series, we called, we, 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 it was called Learn So We Can Lead, and the whole premise was finding or coming into understanding what it looks like to be a leadership example and how we have to go through learning curves in life so we can learn how to lead better. This week, we're talking about something a little bit different, and it's all based upon our first week. Each point, we're going to be breaking down each week, and we're going to dive into John 15. Go to John 15, and we're going to speak out of the message translation. The message translation. Jesus says this, 
I am the real vine. Everyone say real vine. I am the real vine. And my father is the farmer. He had to make the statement, I am the real vine. There will be a lot of vines. There will be a lot of potential vines. A lot of false vines. Jesus made the statement just as he did in previous chapters. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Jesus said it out of his mouth. That no one can come to God except through me. I am the doorway. I am the narrow way. He calls himself the hard way, the difficult way, the tight space. Wide, he says, is all kinds of other options, and it's easy. It might be easy. might be more confusing. I am the narrow way. And if you come through me, you'll have access to all my Father wants to give you. It's a promise. And so Jesus is saying in John 15, this was the day, this was the night before that, that, or the day before he went to the cross. So he's setting up, he's setting up the context. He's setting up, letting them know some of his last words. One of the most important chapters in the gospel. One of the last big, long conversations he has with his disciples. Setting them up and preparing them for his death that's about to come the next day. Just around the corner. So he's setting them up. So I am the real vine. Lots of other vines, but I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. It says he cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. Branches that are superficially connected. Branches, and in this context, we could liken it to Judas. That's in the association, in the environment has the appearance of knowing me, has the appearance of loyalty to me, has the appearance, but it's superficial. It's not genuine. It's not real, which is what we're all about here, by the way. I don't, I, we don't want to give you or facilitate a superficial experience for you. We don't, we don't look at, this is just, oh, come to church, do your routine, go home, clock, you know, put in your time. No, no, we want you to experience something real in your life. We want you to experience something genuine in your life. We want you to experience something that transforms your life. Are you hearing this? So he's saying, he's saying, I want it to be genuine. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear groups and or grapes, groups. And every branch that is grape bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You were already pruned by pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you, in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined into the vine, so you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. Have you ever seen a branch on the ground, disconnected from the tree, bearing fruit? No. you got to be connected. That's why there's power in community, you guys. Staying connected. Verse 5, it says, I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, some of you like that word, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from, the, from me is, a dead wood, is dead wood, gathered up and thrown onto the bonfire. It's used for other purposes. But if you make yourself at home with me, and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples, as my crew. Fast forward to verse 11 of the same chapter. Verse 11. 
I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. Turn to your neighbor and say, wholly mature. Full. Full to capacity. Connected. This is my command. Love one another the way I've loved you. So simple. I'm only asking you one thing, guys. Just love. It's all about love. Love like I love you. He said about his crew, the world will know that I'm legit because of how you treat each other. I wonder what Jesus would say if he went on to Facebook on your Facebook account. How are you treating people that don't agree with what you believe? The world will know that I'm legit by how you treat each other in love. Love like I've loved you. That's what he's saying. This is the very best way to love. Put your love on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you. I love this. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you. And put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. If you're taking notes, write this down. Losing to launch. The benefits of the cutback. Some of the greatest things or greatest seasons of your life is when you lose. Some of the greatest moments in your life is when you lose. When things get cut back in your life, it's like an arrow. When you pull back an arrow, what do you pull it back for? So you can launch it out. Some of the greatest moments of your life could be connected to the moments of greatest loss in your life. That's a very hard thing for some people to see. But when you get to know God as redeemer, as someone who is redemptive, it means that he could take whatever you go through and turn it into something good. Are you here this morning? Are you awake? Did the snow, is the snow tired you out? Punch your neighbor. Say, wake up. Wake up. Punch them. Come on. Wake up. The benefits of the cutback. Let me just say this really quickly. Very important. We lose we lose because we are fruitless, and we lose because we are fruitful. That's real spiritual life right there. People think, oh, bad things happen because they did something bad. No. Bad things happen because you live in a world where bad things happen. Nothing to do with God. You say, well, God's in control. No, he's not. He's in charge. You're in control. Whoa. Big difference. I'm in charge of my kids, but I cannot control, I cannot control their response in a toy store when they don't get what they want. I cannot control their emotions. I can threaten them. I can potentially punish them. No, I'm in charge as their dad, but I'm not in control of their emotions. They have to learn to control themselves. We think, well, God's in control. No, he's not. He's in charge. He can't mess with free will. If you're going to go out and do something stupid, he can't mess with your free will. Love does never, never messes with free will. Love will intercept sometimes. Love will interrupt sometimes. Love will send the invitation to the wedding. But you have the full control to respond and show up to the wedding. You don't have to. 
Love will say, I'm here. I'm, ready. I'm like, I want to embrace you. I love you. I, I, you're amazing. I want to help you. But you have to accept that help. Love does not make you accept anything. Love is an opportunity. Love is an invitation. Love is the lure on his fishing rod to pull you in. But you have to bite. For the lure to snag you, you have to bite. You're hearing this this morning. So we don't just lose in life because, because we're, we've been a bad boy or a bad girl. And, the, and, and yes, there are consequences to our actions and things happen and we lose something and lose things. But as you get to know God, even in those moments, whether you were aware of God's plan for your life or not, when you did those stupid things, God is so good and he's so redeeming, he can turn what's bad and what sucks into something amazing. He can take all that agitation, all that frustration, and turn it into a pearl, to a diamond. All that pressure, turn it into a precious diamond. But even when you're doing really good, you're on top of the world, everything's going well for you, everything is going as planned. You feel like you, you've arrived, and, and you're, you've never been in a more fruitful season in your life. Even in those seasons, you lose. You know what you lose? You get pruned back so you can produce more. So God's like, you know what? It's not enough. I want to actually give you more. You've handled well. You as a branch have handled well under the weight of this amount of fruit. Now I'm going to prune you back so you can produce more fruit. You're growing. It's a growing season. So in both, way, in, in both seasons, we lose. So losing is good. We lose so we can launch. We lose so we can step out. These are the benefits of the cutback. When a company, every company, every organization, every career path, whatever organization you're connected to, goes through seasons of cutbacks. Sometimes it's intentional because they want to explore other areas, other departments, invest in other way, other, in other parts that don't exist yet, start new departments, innovate. Sometimes it's not intentional because of the economy, things happening. Sometimes it's a choice because they want to expand in a new area, a new part of the world. Every organization, every business, every career path has an element of cutback. And it has the ability to be good. It doesn't always feel good, though. If you're a, as a, if you're a recipient and you're the one cut back, it doesn't feel good for you, does it? But it's a part of helping them continue to launch forward. I really felt the Lord showed me this last night to, 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 to share with you. It's a little simple. He said, many people in the room are coming into a new season, and their blade's going to get sharper. Now, I was asking God, about, I saw this blade, and I was praying, and I had this vision. I saw this rusty blade. You can go through a season where you feel like you're losing, and you feel like you, you, things are being cut, but it hurts it's not being, it's not, it's not working the way that you want it to work. It's taking too long and it's painful. It's because your blade's not sharp. Hebrews 4.16 says that his word is, or Hebrews 4.12 says his word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword to divide both soul and spirit. 
The more you get to know his word, which is like what I said out of Matthew 7 at the beginning, talking about connect groups. The more you get to know his word, the sharper it becomes in your life. So when it's time to hit the cutback, so when it's time to lose a little bit, so when it's time to get pruned back, it's quick and you can move on. But because we don't know his word, it's like we're operating with a dull knife, a rusty blade, and it hurts. It's ne unnecessarily painful. You follow what I'm saying? That, the, the rusty, dull blade is like the immature believer that doesn't, can't get a perspective that this losing season is all about launching. But the mature, the holy, mature person, as they grow, has sharpened their blade so much that it's quick, it's precise, and we get to move on. We get it. Because we've seen it, we've done it, we've been through it. I understand his way. He's a redeeming God. You tracking with me? God wants to sharpen your blade this morning as you enter into a new season so that when you feel like you're losing, you can move on quickly and don't have to stay in the loss. Because Psalm 6 verse 7 says, my vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out. When you go through loss, when you go through grief, it has the tendency to stop you from seeing clear. That's why when people are going through a mess, tra trauma in their life, I always... It's, I, I use this sort of just to help them understand you're emotionally drunk right now. And when you're emotionally drunk, you can't see clear. You can't say clear. You don't say what you mean. You don't mean what you say. You don't know what's up or what's down. You're disoriented. When you are going through trauma, you're emotionally drunk. It's a part of That's why you need people. You need people to pull you out, people to help see your blind spots. The spots that you can't see. As I said, that lights go out. I don't know why that happened, but. You can't see what you can't see. When you're driving, you can't see your blind spot. Right? That's why it's called a blind spot. You're blind to it. But with help, you can see. That's why we need people. That's why we need relationship. Philippians 1, or Philippians 3, verse 15, he says this, so let's keep focused. When things are blurry, when things are hard, when it's chaotic, when there's grief, when I'm going through stuff, let's keep focused on the goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. That word for focus literally means a focus that gets the job done. If you look at a, at a working definition for the word focus, one of the definitions in, 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 the, in, the, in the context of geology is the point of, an, of, of origin of an earthquake. When you have focus, it shifts everything. It allows you to push through grief, allows you to push through blurriness in life. It allows you to advance. It allows you while you're in the midst of losing it all and have nothing left and you filed for bankruptcy. You don't know what's up anymore. How are you going to get out of this pit? In the midst of all of the heartache and all the challenges, when God, when, this is why Paul's saying, keep your focus. If you can get your focus, if you, can, if you can allow God into your moment and get your focus, it will shift everything. The earth will shift on your behalf. You'll get out of where you are. I want to give you a few quick keys for the benefits of the cutback. 
Because the benefits of cutback, being cut back in life, allow us to launch into more. Number one, write this down. Into more growth. Into more growth. John 15 says, I am the real vine. My father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch, superficial branch, that's associated but doesn't know me. That doesn't bear group grapes. And every branch that is grape bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. There's more growth when you go through loss, if you can get a perspective. Bigger things, better things ahead. You lose one, for every loss, I get double. For every loss, I get times ten. For every loss, I get times five. There are seasons in your life where you have to lose a few things so you can gain a few more things. You have to lose maybe the job that you have right now so you can get the job you've always wanted. You have to lose maybe the friendship that you used to have that's holding you back from where you need to go so you can get the friends that will take you to the next level. You have to lose to gain. It's just part of the process. Amen. Growth is not necessarily having growth in the same area, but in the right area. If you lose something, it's not that God's going to give you the same something back. He might give you a new something, the right something. You lost the wrong something, so you could get the right something. Maybe you feel like you lost a dream, a vision you once had. Maybe that dream and that vision were stopping you from having the dream and the vision God wants you to have. Maybe you had to lose the job that you recently just lost because God has a whole new plan for you. And the only way for him to show you is for him to put you in an extreme situation where literally he puts his hand down and makes it happen so you can see. But still, you have the choice whether or not you're going to lean in and trust him. You can fight in your own effort to get the same thing back when it's not God's plan to give it back to you. And only for you to get it back and realize it's not what you want anymore anyways. You don't want to go through that lesson, do you? God wants to bring you in this season clarity. He wants to bring you understanding of what it is that he's done to tell you and bring you on a journey of what he's going to do. Number two, he gives us more influence. More growth, more influence. Verse 6 of John 15, but if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. There is an influence. There's a, a movement that begins to happen through you and in you. There's a confidence, a new authority. Something begins to happen because of loss. A greater level of influence. Confidence. Man, I... I if I look back at the last four years, specifically four years for me, and my wife would say this, and she kind of put language to it because she's on the outside, and I'm blind to this, some of this stuff sometimes, and she's like, you've been in a hiding season. And I have. If you knew my platform before four years ago and you knew where it's, where, what it is now, it, it's been gone through a, a morphing season, a, a molting season, but also a morphing season. Chickens have to go through molting season so they can grow new feathers. Some of you are chickens out there in a season called molting. You're going through some loss so that you can gain stronger, new, more fresh feathers in the season. 
So you're a stronger bird in the next season than you were in the last season. And I've been in this hiding season, yet at the same time, in the hiding season, if I told you some of the doors that have been opening and the influence that God is bringing me in because I leaned in in the hiding season, in the season where maybe I wasn't as public as I used to be on certain things and certain platforms, God has done a work in me to grow my influence. And I don't even know how. I'm like, here, I'm like, here, I, I was trying this at a team rally, and I, I literally, I literally was just in a situation a few weeks ago where I had an opportunity to prophesy and pray in a private room in Toronto with someone I never met before. I didn't know who they were. It turns out this woman and her husband are some of the most, are the most Googled people on the planet. That his video broke every record on YouTube in history. And I'm like, how did I get in a moment like this of influence? Uh, I, honestly, all I could say is going through loss. Gain happens in loss. Gain drives you into a place where he grows you and matures you in a way that only loss can actually do so that he can bring you out and into influence. There's a confidence that happens. I wrote this stuff down because sometimes, like I said, you have to lose to launch. And I, I wrote down, and this might be like, uh, this is kind of funny. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe offensive. I preface it before. My wife's not here, so it's okay. Ten reasons, or maybe more than ten reasons, why people maybe have left our community or stayed. Can I give them to you? <laughs> I, I really thought I was, on, I was on the plane flying somewhere. I'm like, it just came to me. I'm like, thinking about losing, thinking about launching. And sometimes you have to lose to launch. You have to, to lose something to gain something. And I'm really processing this. And, you know, people have left or, because we weren't supernatural enough. And then people left because we were too supernatural. People left because they said I lost my anointing. Whatever that means in their context. People maybe have left because I didn't talk enough about the end times. People left because the music was too loud or the music was too soft. People left because the teaching was not deep enough. Some people left because it was too deep. Some people left because we weren't relational enough. And then some people left because we were too relational and didn't want anybody's input. Some people left because we're not friendly enough in the lobby or because we're too friendly and it seems ingenuine. Some people left because of a message title. Some people left because of a sermon illustration. Some people left, this is all true by the way, some people left because of a teaching series title. Some people left because I would not meet with certain people. Some people left because I have friends that are conservative and I have friends that are liberal. And some people left because I teach from the Bible on money. All I'm saying is that whatever the reason, whether it's good, wrong, bad, real, whatever, it doesn't matter to me. There are seasons where we celebrate and there are seasons where we mourn. But the reality of it is within every loss, whether it's painful and we don't want it to happen or it's supposed to happen, whatever the reason, in loss there's always gain because God's redemptive. 
in loss, there's always a gain of new influence, new confidence, because what it does is it wears you in a way, it tries you in a way, it tests you in a way to get that wimpy part of you out of you that wants to quit because people don't, you know, don't stick around or because things happen or things don't happen. It grows faith in you. You with me? Here's the reality. If people come here because they agree, they will leave because when they disagree, and it will happen. You don't come into a community because you agree. You come into a community because you love the people, you feel like you're supposed to be there, and part of building relationship is growing in relationship when you disagree. There is no honor, there is no growth, there is no depth to any relationship that agrees on, any, on, on everything. It's not real. It's ingenuine. But in the midst of disagreement, we work it through. We love you. We work it through and we stay together. We connect as family. Now, I'm not saying some, everybody needs to stay. But what I'm saying is that that is relationship. That is relationship. Number three, we grow or we move into, because of loss, more maturity. John 15, verse 11 to 15 11 to 15, I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. Loss has a way of maturing you, grounding you, establishing you, maturing you. Think about the last four years of your life, 10 years of your life, 20 years of your life. Think about the loss that you've gone through. Maybe it's a person close to you. Maybe it's jobs, maybe it's situations, dreams, hopes, whatever it's been for you. Something's not happened the way that you wanted it to happen. Think about all the things that you feel like you've lost. I wonder if you can see in this season God's redemptive hand. I wonder if you can see the reason now, hindsight 2020. I wonder if you can have a 2020 realization of why you had to go through that. I wonder how much gain has happened in your life because of that. If you can't see it now, I believe the Holy Spirit will show it to you. He's that good. He's that kind. And he wants to reveal to you this morning what his grace really is all about. Kindness. The ability to advance. The ability to do what is impossible for you but possible with him. That's what grace is. Grace is an undeserved an undeserved spiritual element that allows you and enables you in power to accomplish everything that you could not otherwise accomplish in your own strength. 